Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode three of the Believe in GCU podcast presented by Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network based in Los Angeles, the number one podcast for all sports teams based in Los Angeles and in Phoenix and in wherever your team, whatever city your team plays in. We believe in our teams. Our team is Believe in GCU. Do you believe? I believe. I don't believe you. I don't believe you that you don't believe me that I believe. So neither of us believe that we believe. Correct. So do we truly believe? Yes. We believe here in the Believe in GCU podcast, presented by the Believe Podcast Network, that GCU men's soccer had a tough homestand this week. You want to talk a little bit about that, Kyle? I know you've been waiting for about a week now, or about five days, I guess you can say. Today's Wednesday. Uh, Friday's game, obviously, was going so well, 83 minutes into the game, until everything, I don't want to say it went sour, but things took ahead for sure. What do you think? Well, the Lopes went up one nothing. was it, 20, 20 or so minutes in? They got the first yeah. one. Who scored that first one? I have already forgotten. Was it Rasmussen? Rasmussen put us up one nothing. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. It, I think it was uh, no, it 38 was, minutes in. So it was, it was like yeah, it was Rasmussen. Half, Rasmussen, yeah. you're right. He had that nice shot. Lopes are up one nothing for a good 40 minutes or so on the Spartans, who, not a bad team, but, you know, freshman goalkeeper and all that. Whack championship rematch for anybody listening out there. We, uh, we, we promoted the hell out of that. Yeah, we did. That was Whack championship was, rematch. We had our pregame uh, right next to the banner. Taking it a was worth everything it was, you know, promote it. The game was as hyped up as it was. It was still a good game, but then so that last seven minutes of the second half before – Overtime ended up being a very thrilling seven minutes, controversial seven minutes as well as San Jose State tied the game. And then what was it, like two, three minutes later, Hugo Logan gets his first collegiate goal on a nice left-footed shot from just outside the box to put the Lopes up by two with two and a half minutes remaining. And at that point, it was should have been over, but then the phantom penalty kick call. I mean, it was basically the same song and dance all season. I know we'll get to the penalty call. I know you want to rant about that for about 10 minutes here. But basically, one nothing after Rasmussen's goal. It looked pretty good, like a pretty standard Lopes win at home. They're still undefeated at home, or at least they were going into that game. Spoiler alert, they are no longer undefeated at home. We'll talk about it in a second, though. Rasmussen scores the goal. They're up one nothing. Seven minutes left, so 83 minutes into the game. Everything is going great. George Tesoris finished with nine saves on the night, which tied his uh, season high, I believe. So he had a phenomenal game. Defense was kicking butt per usual. And then all of a sudden, the crowd goes silent. They tie the game at one with seven minutes left. We're, we're stunned. We're like, okay, this game is going to go in OT. Like, I was stunned. We were not expecting OT. We're going to go in OT. And then about a minute and a half, two minutes later, Hugo Logan picks up his first collegiate goal. They go up 2-1. Crowd goes from insanely entertained to absolutely silent to madness again. And then at about two minutes later, it goes back to silence after the penalty kick. So give me your take on uh, this penalty kick. What did you think? So San Jose State had the ball somewhere on that uh, sideline near their bench. So they crossed it into the box. Or did they have a free 
They had it off a free kick. It was a penalty. It, it was a free. They had. They, it was a free. We had. Kick. We yeah, had just yeah. gotten foul number like ten, or whatever it was. Whatever we finished with, we finished in double digits back to back games and foul calls. They crossed one into the middle, and I think it was Barrario who was behind San Jose State's forward who ended up. From the video, it doesn't necessarily look like he pushed or pulled him down, but there's a little bit of a some contact, which you're gonna have. It's men's soccer. There's always. I mean, I think Holding we talked about it on the broadcast. Like, it was such a physical game. And I think going into the game, we were talking to Shellis before the game. He said it was going to be a physical game. I mean, the brutality was unreal that entire – I think there was uh, almost, 12 combined fouls in the first half. I don't know about the Yeah, second it was half. six and six, and then almost yeah. probably upwards of 25 to 30 for the game between the two. But then, you know, you get the penalty kick call. The referee, he was in a decent spot to sell the call which he did. He had to sell that call because I think at that point in the game as a referee and as a certified soccer official, I would not have given that foul. You can't give that foul because he decided the outcome of this game. It was either going to be a tie because we weren't, you could tell how deflated they were after the first goal given up and then going back up immediately, back up by one to giving up that. We weren't going to score in overtime. And we had what, two, three chances maybe at the most to their five or six. I think we played well offensively throughout the entire game until overtime. I think in overtime is when... The energy just lo- they lost the energy. Especially the first overtime period. I don't think they had any shots on goal. I don't think they even Mm-mm. put up They defended a for that first 10 minutes of overtime. And then the second one they had, really the best chance they had was Jame Delore, and it was a little bit behind him, so he had to adjust and couldn't get a good shot away, but that was their only chance. That came from about eight yards away. But after that penalty kick call, and you just knew it wasn't going to, they just weren't going to, and it was either going to be San Jose State was going to win in overtime, or we were going to end in a draw like they did. Right. And, you know, got to give props to George for being George, just being able to stop everything in overtime, especially after those two goals and the way he gave up those two goals because he doesn't give up multiple goals very often. But he's done it now in two out of the last three games. Because he did it up at Bakersfield in the loss, and he did it in the tie, and then just the one goal to Seattle on Sunday. So George has given up five. I five mean, of his what twelve goals he's given up all year have come in the last three games. I mean, what more can you do in that game on Friday against San Jose State, though? You come away with nine saves, and then of course the second, so the penalty kick that ends up tying the game within the final moments of regulation. The first one was called back, which made you think, okay, he has another chance here. Regroup, adjust, and the exact it was like the exact same kick. Same spot. Exact Everybody did the spot. exact same thing. Now, I don't exactly know why we had to retake the penalty kick, but if I had two guesses, either the referee wasn't completely ready or San Jose State entered the box before the ball was touched, which in that case, since he scored, it should have been a goal kick not a retake as the rule as I know it states and in that sense we'd potentially not to say that they wouldn't have scored but it would have given our defense a lot better chance to hold down the fort and win that game two to one especially the way the defense played throughout the entirety of that match they played pretty good minus last seven minutes and even in overtime they played really well defensively like I said before in that first overtime period they did nothing offensively and then in the second overtime period, they put some more pressure on David Sweeney, but again, it wasn't enough. Because throughout the entire game, I don't remember what the exact shot on goal stat was, but they put a ton of pressure on David Sweeney in their first lifetime matchup against the guy. I think the one, I remember the one shot that Jeff Duke saved because Sweeney was out of position. Rasmussen, yeah, he slide yeah. tackled that one away and almost found the back of the net there. But what are you going to, I mean, Lopes are 
they've been beaten up and they've been injured for a while. They're without their best. They're not not to say they're not putting good a good team on the field because they are, and you can tell in the way they've played the last few games that they're doing well with what they've got. I mean, minus you know you're without Burt Wilton, you're out, you're without Tasha Suda the last few games. You didn't have Aristotolos in in Sunday's matchup yeah. in the loss, and he he left the game against San Jose State early. But they've just they've been injured and beaten up, and even Coach Hyman's told us, you know, we're we're injured and we're gonna go with what we have, and the freshmen are gonna have to step up. And a couple of those guys got first ever playing minutes on Sunday. Aaron yeah. Young first making his first collegiate appearance, made a lot of big plays offensively. Too. He had a shot or two, yeah. I think. He made a decent impact, and he'll be a nice player to watch over the next three years. And they had another one come in off the bench late in the second half, making his third appearance of the season kyle's mic fell off that that never happens i am breaking that's what you get for playing with the microphone i guess so you might have to hold that thing for the rest of the episode stay hot kyle uh live broadcasting the magic and power i'm back so uh what were we talking about men's soccer correct men's soccer so you talked about uh all the injuries Aaron Young made his debut, made a lot of big plays. Calvin Kissy got involved, too, getting the start on Sunday. Kissy had a good yeah. game on Sunday. I, Unfortunately, he couldn't put one in the back of the net, but he had he looked good. He looked like the Calvin Kissy that the Lopes expected from him. Yeah, the Calvin Kissy from last year had a great fresh, freshman campaign. Really hasn't gotten – I don't want to say he has. he's played bad this year, but at the same time, he hasn't had enough minutes to prove whether he's been playing well or not. Has not had the same amount of time that he got last year. Unfortunate, you know, the injury is unfortunate for Wilton and Yasuda and all them, but it's nice for guys like Kissy and guys like Young, Rasmussen, all those guys getting more minutes. Uh, Alexa Canales. Yeah, Tyler Hughes had a Tyler couple. Hughes, of, he, he made, made a couple of big plays. He as made well. the start on Sunday. Yep. There was a lot on Sunday. Oh, and the Lopes played Sunday without Hugo Logan as well. Yep, who's their talented freshman midfielder. So hopefully, by when do they play this weekend? They go to UTRGV on U- Saturday. They got a big date with UTRGV on Saturday. They it's tough. Ro- it's been a tough schedule for the Lopes. These injuries are probably coming at the worst time this this season for Coach Shellis, given how much talent that UTRGV possesses, as well as uh, Seattle. I mean, we talked to Coach before the game on Sunday. He said that Seattle is arguably the number one team that they got to look out for in the WAC this year. They're that good. I think they they're seven and three overall now, four and zero oh in the WAC. So they beat the Lopes. They have a tie, four zero oh and one, four zero oh and four, one. So yeah, they're still undefeated. It counts. We can have that debate all day whether a tie means you're undefeated still. They, or, you're undefeated. Yeah, you're just you haven't not lost. Untied. You haven't lost. But they they beat the Lopes one nothing in like Friday's game was very entertaining to watch. Yes, they don't come away with the result that they wanted in the end. But they fought valiantly in order to at least preserve a tie. They did not come out to play offensively at all on Sunday. Not to say that they were handicapped, because again, a lot of guys hurt. Pombos Aristotolis out. Uh, Burt Wilton, like you just said, was out. Those are two big guys in that offense. George Tesoris picks up, I believe, four or five saves on Sunday to go along with the one goal that he allowed. Yeah, it wasn't that many as he had on Friday. but And the Lopes really... Decent scoring chances came early in the first half, or that second 20 minutes of the first half with, you know, they got Kissy loose a couple of times, had a couple of decent chances. But their best chance came with 
three minutes left in the game on the free kick from Aguas, who, which I thought was in the back of the net. It I think everybody knew like that, it did that you thought go it in. Too. Kyle's was on play-by-play on Sunday, and it was pretty obvious that you thought it was going in. I was ready. Totally. Uh, I was ready. I mean, you basically gave away your call at the last second. You just had to put a stop to it. I don't know if you hit your cough button or like you just... Nope, it was just... It was just a dead stop. You're like, edits! it's! I don't think it went in. Nope, it, no, it did not go in. The sheer disappointment <laughs> in some of my voice, in my voice was hilarious. I wish I had the clip right now if we could pull it up, but Kyle was... I got uh, it. But Kyle was very excited for this call, and it just did not go the way he planned. And that game did not go the way the, the Lopes planned, losing one nothing. They go 0-1-1 on the homestand after going 0-1-1 on their last road trip to Southern California. And now they have to go to UTRGV, who's third, I think, right now in the WAC standings, uh, right behind Air Force and Seattle. So it's a tough test for men's soccer. It's got to be a tie or a win. They can't afford. At this point, you got to keep getting ties or wins because you can't afford another loss. You're already sitting outside of the WAC tournament picture. They only take seven teams. There's nine in the conference. Eight of them are eligible since California Baptist is still making the jump to Division One. They still have three more years of, well, this year and two more years of probation is what it's called, that they can't participate in most postseason tournaments. So the Lopes, gotta, they got to keep winning. They have two easy wins, Houston Baptist and Kansas City. I mean, you'd like to think they're easy wins. Hate not, to say not, it. Not to count them both out. Both teams at the bottom of the conference, and the Lopes, are just, the Lopes are just better than both those teams are. It's just a known. It's known. I think everybody knows it, you know. But the remaining schedule... At UTRGV, they get Kansas City and they get Houston Baptist at home, and then, oh, they have and they get UNLV at home. UNLV could be an entertaining game, but you still have UTRGV. Then you got to go to Utah Valley, and then you have to go to Air Force. That's not an easy end of the year. It's they they got to capitalize on those games like you mentioned, Houston Baptist, like those those games. Obviously, they expect to win, but they got to put the nail in the coffin in those games and like basically step on their throats. I know that's not the Christian thing to say, but you got to step on their throats because those are must-win games that you got to have. You got to beat up on the bad teams because that end of your schedule, you mentioned Air Force and Utah Valley, it, it's dangerous. All you know, teams the Lopes beat last year. All yeah. teams they beat coming up, except for possibly Kansas City and UNLV. And they lost to UTRGV in overtime because Kyle Edwards scored and Kyle Edwards just, they need to know where he is at all times in order for them to be successful because as soon as Kyle Edwards starts scoring goals it is going to be a long day if you let him get going so there's only one way to find out if the Lopes can get it done on Saturday and throughout the rest of the season check out all the games on GCU TV you can check them out on YouTube as well as the WAC digital network so before we move on to women's soccer because they've Put a string of wins together. Let's take a look at your call if you could find it. You come up with a big one right here. Aguas has a shot at goal. It's it. Just misses. Do you come up with a big one? Great save. Great save, Kyle. I, I thought it was. No, I don't think anybody heard it. I, th- I think you made just, a great Just save tweet there. it out by the whack. It's fine. Oh, so everybody knows. Everybody knows. They're verified on Twitter. They got that they got that blue check mark. That means they're important. At least I think it was the whack. It could have been it could have been Cassidy RSID tweeting that out, honestly. It could have been one of those two. I don't remember who I said. I, it was either the WAC page or GC men's soccer page. I don't remember. So all around, I don't want to say disappointing homestand, but not what they expected. They played well defensively, just couldn't get it done offensively on Sunday. Women's soccer got it done offensively on Thursday, though. UMKC, we made our predictions on last week's show, what was going to happen. I was right. You were dead right. 
minus the score. I, I think I said 2-1. to one. We both said 2-1 victories. Yeah. They ended up 2-0, but I had Cameron Larson and Danny Babb scoring goals, and it happened. Danny Babb off of what probably should have been a foul blown immediately two yards outside the box as Cameron Larson got taken out. But it was that was good refereeing because Danny Babb picked it right up, took two touches, and shot it off the bottom of the crossbar and in. And that was a great play by her just to keep with it. She's coming off the injuries from yeah. last year. Had to red shirt. No, that was a topic. Finally back uh, in the stride. Yeah, that was a topic of discussion today. I got the chance to interview Danny Babb, which we'll see here next week on next week's edition of Believe in GCU. But she, the talk going in was that she was one of the 14 incoming freshmen. Turns out she's a redshirt freshman because she only played two games last year because she tore the ACL. And uh, we were talking about it before. She's like, yeah, I tore my ACL last year. only got to play in two games. I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, sideline you for a couple of weeks. She didn't laugh. Way to go. No, I'm kidding. She laughed. It was good. It was a good time. Good interview. An awkward laugh. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I kind of give off that vibe. My dry sense of humor, it doesn't work for everybody. But we'll have that interview with uh, women's soccer, what do you call her, striker Danny Babb, redshirt freshman Danny Babb. Or Bab. forward. Forward freshman, redshirt freshman Danny Babb next week here on Believe in GCU. But the Lopes pick up a 2 nothing win at home over UMKC. Kansas City, it's no longer UMKC. They've rebranded themselves. I learned well, that on Thursday. Well, it's still on the schedule. What are you going to do? I learned that on Thursday. That is... They, they want it's Kansas City. Okay, so Danny Babb picks up her first collegiate goal, and the Lopes pick up a two nothing win over Kansas City. There you go. The Kansas City who's ruse Who cares. I do. Okay. Because the ruse, ruse, what a great mascot. It's like a lope, but not as good. It's a kangaroo. Yeah, but kangaroos are cool, just not as cool as antelopes. That's debatable. But for this instance, go Lopes. Antelopes are better. But moving forward, the Lopes have now won what two of their last three games. Yes. And they have the defending WAC champs, Seattle, who, oh, by the way, have also won three of the last four WAC championships and have made six consecutive WAC championship games. So that should be fun. I mean, it's a decent schedule coming up because then they got California Baptist on the road on Sunday. Also a good team. And obviously this is going to be a test for the Lopes. They've played well in WAC conference play thus far, but overall it's kind of been a sluggish season that we've made a couple of points on over the past few episodes. But this is the first real true test. Can they continue to play well well in WAC play against arguably the best teams in the conference? Well, I think they got momentum going and their confidence. So hopefully that confidence shows on uh, Friday night against Seattle and you come away a winner or a draw. I mean, a draw I think would be successful against the best team in the whack. Now, the Lopes sitting in fifth, technically fourth, because Cal Baptist is ahead of them. You know, they're sitting in fifth. They're in the WAC tournament. Now, WAC women only take six teams, so if the Lopes can find a way to make the WAC tournament, they they could be deadly. And this, this weekend is obviously a true chess. Let's say they come away with a split. They go one and one. Say they either lose or win against Seattle, either win or lose against California Baptist. You stay afloat because then you got Chicago State coming in the following That's week. That's a win. Which we'll say it's a must win because Chicago State's not necessarily six the nothing best in, the in that game. I'm calling it right now. Let it well, be known. Well, Kyle's not really giving Chicago State any chance. Episode here. three, six nothing. So we'll talk during episode. It'll probably be episode five at that point. See if that prediction was right. You said six nothing and just changed it to five nothing. Six nothing. I'm gonna say three to one. Wow. Because again, we we've had a sluggish start. You really don't know what you're gonna get. We've Iron Chef scoring twice. Yeah. 
both from like 25 yards away. Wow, that's a bold take. I'm confident. Another bold take from Kyle Borg here on Believe in GCU. So that's women's soccer. We are two weeks away, count it, two weeks away from men's basketball. Woo! Bring the thunder in all of us. I am ready. You got Davenport on opening night? No. Two weeks from today, it's the exhibition game against San Bernardino. Okay, so the first official opening night. And then the following Tuesday is Davenport. So what a win. So that's interesting. So Tuesday, November 5th, you have women's basketball at noon on a Tuesday. I will be there. They're taking on Benedictine. I will also be there. Hopefully we'll be on the call for that one. But it's kind of a weird start time for your first game. Well, double day night. Tuesday after day night doubleheader. I guess that's how you can promote it if you're GCU. You but can, women's soccer getting a Tuesday game at noon. I feel like that's a little uh, inconvenient for a lot of people. Yeah, but it's basketball. So then they, the men's takes on Davenport at 7 p.m. Obviously, men's basketball comes in with a lot of expectation. Kind of an entirely new roster. For Coach Dan Morley, the past two years has gotten to the WAC championship game only to be basically taken down by the New Mexico State Aggies. Boo. Is it taken but, down if they're expected to win? Well, let's see. The first year, we were expected to win. No. Is that fair to say? At least we thought our, we were going to pull it out. Our team goal, you know, our team goal every year, and Dan Marley's goal is what I believe his goals are, is to always win the WAC. In your first two years of eligibility, win the WAC, make the tournament, increase recruiting, make a run in the tournament. New Mexico State, what are they... Seven of the last eight now, eight of the last nine, something like that. They've lost one WAC championship game in the last eight or so years, and that was to Bakersfield. I remember when Bakersfield made the tournament. They did not advance out of the first round. <laughs> That's safe to say. Because, what if we made the tournament, we'd be the 16 seed going up against a one seed, right? I've, I've said for the last year and a half that if we make the first year we make the tournament, regardless of our wins or losses, considering New Mexico State is always a 12 seed, which is always an entertaining matchup. But I've always said that the committee is not going to send a team from the WAC and their first ever tournament appearance anywhere but Dayton, Ohio, as a 16 seed right. to play in the first four. They're like, we'll let you, they're going to be like, yeah, all right, we'll send you to Ohio. We'll give you one of those, you know, the SWAC, the Sun Belt, one of those really weak conference teams that won their tournament, going to get in. So you can at least win one, and then we'll send you to uh, probably top seed, you know, Michigan State. Duke, Gonzaga, we'll let you go there and see how you do after you win in Dayton. If we get to the, what is, I guess is the second round officially, the round of 64. That's the second round now. Technically, it's the second round, but it's, it's the first round. Yeah. I just so You say the round of 32 would be the second, right? Well, since they added the first four, yeah. that's really the first round, and then it's the second and third rounds. You know, 64 and then 32 are second and third. I don't think we get it. Unless, you know, maybe we win. All right, you win 27 games, you lose. We play 30 this year, say you win 25 of them. Your five losses, you know, to quality teams, whether it be Illinois, Liberty, uh, San Diego State on the road, New Mexico on the road, and then New Mexico State. Maybe you split with New Mexico State in the regular season. Maybe you don't. Maybe you only beat them once and it's in the WAC championship game, which is really the one that matters. And I would like to see us beat New Mexico State in the regular season just so that, you know, we know we can actually Beat, beat these them. guys. Like, because we haven't. They've, what, we're two and something all time since joining the WAC against them, which isn't, it's not awful. They, you know, the teams we've had compared to the teams they've had, yeah. they probably should beat us decent amount of times. But we have been in the games minus last year's WAC championship game. Mine, we'll take, that one doesn't even count, in my opinion. That was just. 
Well, let's take the last two home games, the last two seasons. Very close games. We were up 10 Extremely with close games. seven minutes to go last year at home. Up 10, seven minutes to go. And then in the WAC championship game. All of a sudden, game, Jans in, calls a timeout, and New Mexico State goes on a run because that's what New Mexico State does, and they're a very good shooting team. They can shoot the ball. They only graduated two guys from last year's team, and they are not the two guys we wanted to graduate. <laughs> no. They, they're good guys that graduated, yes, but they have a core, what, seven or eight seniors, six or seven seniors this yeah. year. So next year, for them, should be an interesting year. And I think, you know, the Lopes men's basketball team, we're, they're, they're going to win 20 games like they've done the last six years. It's going to happen. It's what we do. We win. We win 20 games. You would like to see some of the transfers get the waiver to play in, uh, immediately from the NCAA. I know I haven't heard anything about that from Paul Coro or anybody that's, you know, said, hey, this person can play now. So I know we're still waiting on that, and as you get – Jalen Fisher is not going to be uh, able to play until later in the year, too. That's They're waiting for his waiver. Yeah. They are still waiting on the NCAA for that because he got hurt last year at TCU. So that'll be interesting because, you know, even if he doesn't get to play this year because the NCAA says, no, you got to sit out, transfer rules, whatever it is, he gets to play one or two more years for GCU, which would Two years really helps, especially if he doesn't play this year, two years help, just because then you don't add another senior to next year's already six-person class. Because it's Alessandro Laver, it's Isaiah Brown, Mikey Dixon, a lot of the transfers. And, of mm-hmm. course, Mikey Dixon can't play until January because he didn't transfer until second semester out of St. John's, which he'll be a nice addition come whack play. They're going to need it for sure. I mean, we're very guard-heavy. That's what Dan Marley likes. He likes the guards. Alessandro Laver has dropped 20 pounds in the offseason, and he looks really good. He looks fit. He's I've heard he's more athletic. Like, not that he How can wasn't. he get more athletic in he moves what, six be- He moves better. Oh, yeah, he lost 20 pounds. He moves better. He's added the muscle. He's not. He's jumping faster. He's reacting faster. The basketball IQ has gone up from what it was. Like, he has... He's got a very, very good basketball IQ now. Mm-hmm. He had a very good one last year. It's even better this year. The three-point line moved back in college basketball to international distance, which is what he's used to. I've heard he's been, I think, I've, I've, you know, he's been shooting the ball pretty well as of late. I mean, basically, if you're, what you're saying is true here, new guys, but obviously you think we're going to win, what, 20, 27 games, you said? 27 is a very optimistically hopeful number. Yeah. So let's say it's basically what it comes down to the past two seasons. You're basically finding yourself in the same situation. They will as finish have the top past three years in the whack. Yeah. Because that's what we do. It's what we've always done. I'd love to see them split with New Mexico State, but New Mexico State also lose another conference game, so they have two losses and we only have one. If we roll through everybody else and split with New Mexico State and we finish regular season champs and if we don't even if we don't win the whack we're in the nit because the nit automatic bids are all your conference champions and obviously so the past two home games that we played in 2018 and 2019 they were close and then you go to the whack championship game in 2018 that one was close 2019 i think we went up by 10 in the first quarter like right off the bat no no we went up it was never close no, we went up big, like, right out of the gate. Like, we, I think we were up, like, 6 nothing, like, in the first few minutes. And then, obviously, the Aggies it was, steamrolled us. They decided that we've awoken a beast, and they yeah. dropped us by 30. It didn't end well. No, but go Tigers. But what if, if what you're saying is true, we end up in the top three again. Most likely, we're going to be seeing the Aggies again in the WAC championship game in Las Vegas. I would love to see us not see New Mexico. I would love to see the WAC tournament shape out and just be crazy. Because 
the last few years it's been a little one place four and two tournament. place three. Yeah. And what you like out of conference tournaments is that people that have no business being in your conference championship game are there. Very rarely in these small conferences. Not rarely, actually. That's probably a poor choice of words. But every so often, you get the, the six, the seven, the eight seed that goes on and they win it and they make the tournament. You would, I'd love to see that out of the whack. Whether it be us, heck, Seattle, UTRGV if they want to, if they show up to play. Chicago State. That's a bold take from Jack O'Hara. Hey, you said you wanted madness before March Madness. That's madness if Chicago State is able to upset their way to the WAC championship. I don't know what I, I predict this right now. Chicago State is going to finish. Okay, they're not going to finish high, but I think in the tournament. They have finished dead last for years. I think in the tournament, they'll be one of the final six teams. So they're going to make the semifinal. It wouldn't be the semifinal. It would be yeah, the, we only the have quarterfinals. Three rounds. Okay, so it'll be the first round exit. That's a reasonable take. Well, first round always, exit for Chicago State. They always lose in the first round. That is my take, and it's gonna, it's gonna, they're it's gonna, gonna turn out to be it true. doesn't. They're going to make the WAC tournament because Cal Baptist can't. <laughs> okay, so it's a reasonable take. They make the WAC tournament. They lose in the first round. To who? Who's the I one seed? Since they're gonna finish eighth. Probably New Mexico State. Uh, that's unfortunately. What I yeah, same song and dance. And then, like you said, if New Mexico State gets upset along the way, we'll take it. I honestly think it would be more satisfying beating New Mexico State after everything that's went down over the past few years. Yeah, it would, but sometimes you just need a little bit of help and a gift. We'll see if the Lopes get it this year. So GCU men's basketball and women's basketball starts two weeks from now. We got women's soccer. They're on a roll right now. We'll see if they can continue on Friday against Seattle at the GCU Soccer Stadium. Men's soccer looking to turn things around Saturday in Texas with their date with UTRGV. This has been episode three of the Believe in GCU presented by Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe, Kyle? I believe, and I also believe that the Washington Nationals will win the World Series in six games. Yes, congratulations to a DC Sports. The Washington Nationals are going to the World Series for the first time in franchise history. Shout out to the Montreal Expos, too, because their owners are the same owners. We'll see what happens in Yankees-Astros. But this was Believe in GCU, presented by Believe Podcast Network. Remember, if you want to sponsor our show, contact Believe at Believe.com to contact our talent manager. From everybody here at the Believe GCU Podcast, I'm Jack O'Hara, alongside Kyle Borg, wishing you a great rest of your week. Wait for it. Oh, I thought you were going to lead me into it. And as always... Golos. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.